Madeline McCann was born May 12, 2003 in Leicester and lived with her family in Rothley. Her parents, Kate and Jerry McCann, are both physicians and married in 1998 before having their eldest Madeline in 2003 and the twins, Emily and Sean, born in 2005. The McCanns decided to go on a holiday with seven friends, which included physician friends Fiona and David Payne, Fiona's mother, Diana Webster, Jane Tanner, a marketing manager, Jane's physician partner, Russell O'Brien, another fellow physician, Matthew Oldfield, and his wife, Rachel Oldfield, as well as the entire group's eight children, which included the McCanns' three kids. On the 28th of April, 2007, the group arrived in Praia de Luz for their seven-night spring break vacation. Praia de Luz was a small village with a population of around a thousand. It was also known as Little Britain due to the amount of British homeowners and vacationers that would frequent the area. They booked a holiday with a travel agency called Mark Warner Limited and were placed in an apartment owned by a retired teacher living in Liverpool. The apartment, called 5A, was a two-bedroom apartment placed in a row of multiple apartments known as the Waterside Village. Friends Matthew and Rachel Oldfield were next door in 5B, Jane Tanner and Russell O'Brien in 5D, and the rest of the group were on the first floor. The McCann's apartment, 5A, was accessible to the public from two different parts of the apartment. Apart from the front door, their sliding glass door from the patio provided access to the living room, which overlooked the resort's pool, tennis courts, and the tapas, restaurant, and bar. The McCann children slept in the bedroom next to the front door. This bedroom had one window with curtains and a metal shutter on the outside. Madeline slept in a single bed next to the door, while the twins were in the cots placed in the middle of the room. On May 3, 2007, 7.30 a.m. during breakfast, Madeline questioned her parents, why didn't you come when Sean and I cried last night? Because of this, Kate and Jerry made a mental note to check on their children whenever they go out for the evening. Later that day, after spending time around the swimming pool, the children were sent to the kids' club while Jerry and Kate attended tennis lesson. Around 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. that day, the family returned to their apartment and Kate prepares the children for bedtime while Jerry stayed out to play tennis. At 7 p.m., Jerry returns from tennis and read Madeline a bedtime story. The twins were then put in the travel cot and all three children fell asleep. At this point, the shutters outside the bedroom are shut and the window is closed. Kate and Jerry leave their door ajar. Around 8.30 p.m., Kate and Jerry leaves the apartment to go to the Tapas restaurant to eat dinner with their seven friends. At 9.05 p.m., Jerry returns to the apartments and notices that the position of the bedroom door is very different to how they had left it. He walks into the room and finds all of his children sound asleep. Jerry heads back out to the restaurant but stops to converse with someone along the way. 9.15 p.m., another parent in the group, Jane Tanner, decides to check on her own children. She walks past the McCann apartment when she sees a man carrying a child. This was the police's first suspect, but later found that man to be another vacationer carrying his own daughter. 9.30 p.m. Kate intended to check on the children around this time, but a friend in the group, Matthew Oldfield, offered to check on the McCann children while he checked on his own kids in the apartment next door. He noticed the McCann's children's bedroom door was wide open, but after hearing no noise, he left their apartment without looking far enough into the bedroom to see if Madeline was there. He returned to the table, reporting that everything was fine and quiet. At 10 p.m., Kate McCann was finished with her dinner and decided to go back to the apartment. Kate entered the apartment through the unlocked patio doors from the back and noticed that the children's bedroom door was wide open. When she approached the door to close it, it slammed shut due to the draft from the breeze. 
she realized that the bedroom window and metal shutter were open. Madeline's cuddle cat and pink blanket were still on the bed, but Madeline was missing. After searching the apartment, Kate ran back to the restaurant screaming, Madeline's gone, someone's taken her. The search for Madeline began. At 10.10 p.m., Jerry McCann sent friend Matthew Oldfield to ask the resort's desk to call the police. And at 10.30 p.m., the resort activated its missing child search protocol. 60 staff members and guests searched the resort until 4.30 p.m., thinking that Madeline may have wandered off. The first responders were two officers from the Garda Nacional Republicana, called Gendarmerie, which is a type of law enforcement specifically surrounding duties among civilians. They arrived at the scene at 11.10, five minutes after being called. After briefly searching the area, they alerted the criminal police. They arrived around 1 a.m. and at 2 a.m., two patrol dogs were brought to assist. And then at 8 a.m., four search and rescue dogs were brought to the resort. The police searched sewers, wells, waterways, caves, with Madeline nowhere to be found. Unfortunately, it was hours before border officers and marine police were given a description of Madeline, and officers also did not make house-to-house -house searches. Roadblocks were also not put in place until the next day at 10 a.m. Police also made the mistake of not requesting motorway surveillance pictures of vehicles that were leaving the area during the night when Madeline disappeared. They also did not request any of the surveillance that would contain video of the road between Lagos and Villa Real de Santo on the Spanish border. The company that monitors the roads said that they were not even approached for the video. Additionally, it took Interpol five whole days before issuing an official global missing person alert. Among those mistakes, not everyone in the resort were interviewed. In fact, the vacationers themselves approached the British police saying that no one had even tried to contact them. The crime scene was also not secured. Madeline's bedroom was only secured when the police took samples from Madeline's bedroom hours after she went missing. These samples were sent to three forensic labs in Portugal. Then, on the 1st of June 2007, DNA from a stranger was found. But unfortunately, because it took a while to secure the scene, around 20 people had entered the apartment before being closed off for samples. An officer apparently placed tape across the children's bedroom doorway, but left afterwards without closing off the apartment. According to the case file, it showed that the apartment was empty for a month after Madeline went missing, but then was approved for other tourists to stay in before being sealed again in August of 2007 for additional forensic tests. To make matters worse, officers dusted the bedroom window's exterior shutter for possible fingerprints, but he himself did not wear any gloves, therefore contaminating the scene. Robert Mira, at the time, was a 34-year-old British and Portuguese property consultant who lived in his mother's house, which was just 150 yards away from Madeline's apartment. He was made a suspect after the Sunday Mirror journalist informed police that he had been eager asking about the case. He said that he just wanted to help because he had a daughter Madeline's age. However, three of the McCann's friends, who vacationed with them, Fiona Payne, Russell O'Brien, and Rachel Oldfield, all said that they had seen Robert Mira outside of the McCann's apartment 5A shortly after Madeline's disappearance. A nanny that was at the resort at the time also confirms this, as well as two British vacationers at the resort. However, being that Robert Murat lived so close to the resort, this could still be a possibility with no ill will. Also, him and his mother claimed that he was home all evening. Murat's home was eventually searched and their family pool was drained. His cars, computers, phones, and tapes were investigated. A ground-penetrating radar was also used on his yard and garden. Sniffer dogs were even used and acquaintances were questioned. Weirdly enough, in March of 2008, one of those acquaintances interviewed burned his car down and spray-painted the word speak in red on his pavement. 
Even though they did a detailed search into Robert Murat, nothing was found to link him or his acquaintances to the disappearance. His status as a suspect was eventually lifted. In April of 2008, he was awarded £600,000 for libel. His friends received £100,000 each. In the police statements, witnesses had apparently seen men behaving in a bizarre manner near the McCann apartment, not only on the day of Madeline's disappearance, but also just days before the incidents. Law enforcement came to believe that perhaps these men may have planned the abduction and or burglary. According to the police records, just months before the McCann vacation, there had been a huge increase in burglaries in the apartment block where the McCanns were staying. In fact, the last burglary was reported just 17 days prior, where the burglars entered through the apartment windows. There were multiple reports of sketchy men around the area. One man was reportedly pushing vacationers to donate to orphanages that did not exist. Then, in another report, a tourist who stayed in the same apartment as the McCanns less than a month before Madeline's disappearance reported to the police that a man entered his apartment right from the steps of the street. When the person was caught, the clean-shaven intruder insisted that he was just asking for donations. These accounts were all taken into consideration because these same men were said to be at the resort at the day of the incident. Another concerning witness report was about a man that I personally believe is someone we need to revisit later in the video. According to a witness, a blonde-haired man was seen on May 2nd across the road from the McCann apartment, apparently watching it. Another witness also reported that that same man was also seen on April 29th near the Ocean Club, which was the day after the McCanns arrived at the resort. The next day, on the 30th, the granddaughter of the apartment owners apparently saw that blonde-haired man leaning against the wall behind the apartments and then saw him again on May 2nd near the Tapas restaurant looking at the McCann apartment. Multiple witnesses described this man as Caucasian, mid-30s, short cropped hair, and an ugly spotted face. The day of Madeline's disappearance, this man was seen staring at the McCann block, posted right beside where a white van was parked. And that same day in the afternoon, a girl on the balcony above the McCann apartment apparently had seen that same man leave through the gate below as if he had just come out of their apartment. What initially caught her attention was that this man was suspiciously looking around before he shut the gate quietly and carefully with both of his hands. Eight hours before the disappearance, two blonde-haired men were seen on the balcony of a vacant apartment just two doors down from the McCanns. Six hours before the disappearance, the same blonde-haired man was seen nearing 5A. Four hours before the incident, the same man was seen in the stairway of the McCann block. Then, at 11pm that day, just after Madeline disappeared, the same two blonde-haired men were seen in a nearby street, speaking as if they were arguing. When people noticed the argument, they walked away. That was the last we heard about these men. However, I do believe it ties into Christian B, who I will discuss later in the video. A month later, on the 6th of June, 2007, the media started to turn on Kate and Jerry. The British press highlighted the inconsistencies in their statements and implied that the Tanner sighting was fake, including that the McCann and their friends were swingers who sedated their children and made a pact of silence the night of the disappearance. According to Kate, the reason for the inconsistencies were due to the interpreter who translated the replies. The suspicions were that Madeline accidentally died due to being sedated to help her stay asleep. Twelve days after the disappearance, the Bencans decided to set up Madeline's fund, leaving no stone unturned. At its highest, the fund received £1,846,000. The fund offered a reward of £2.5 million for Madeline. As of December 2015, the fund stood at £750,000. 
Using the funds raised, they hired several firms of private investigators which caused additional friction with the Portuguese police. The firms resulted in multiple sightings in North Africa and specifically in Morocco. A Norwegian woman had reportedly seen a girl matching Madeleine's description in a gas station near Marrakesh, Morocco, on May 9, 2007. According to the woman, the child had asked the man she was with in English, can we see mommy soon? The witness returned to Spain, where she learned about the disappearance and called the Spanish police immediately. A month later, according to Kate, the police still had not formally interviewed the witness leading the McCanns to travel to Morocco on the 10th of June to raise awareness about Madeleine. Among those hired by Madeleine's fund was a Spanish agency. They were paid £50,000 a month for six months. They put 35 investigators on the case in both Europe and Morocco. Unfortunately, the firm made concerning public statements which were false, including saying, and I quote, We know the kidnapper, we know who he is, and how he has done it, but with no evidence to back up said claims. Multiple other private investigators were hired using the funds, but no real results came from it. Among more theories were that Madeline had wandered off on her own and was abducted by a passerby or fell into a construction site. However, these theories were considered unlikely for Madeline to willingly open patio doors, close the curtains behind her, open the children's gate at the top of the stairs, and then opening and closing the gate leading to the street. It was unlikely for a four-year-old to do those things. In May 2011, under Home Secretary Theresa May, the authorities launched an investigative review called Operation Grange. The operation included 29 detectives and 8 civilians. This operation was triggered by The Sun, after the front page of the British tabloid included an open letter from the McCanns where they asked Prime Minister David Cameron to set up a new investigation. More than 20,000 people signed The Sun's petition that day. Therefore, that same day, Theresa May wrote to the Commissioner of Metropolitan Police to say that the Portuguese police had agreed to cooperate and within 24 hours, Operation Grange was financed and launched. Led by Commander Simon Foy and DCI Andy Redwood, Metropolitan Police took over the investigation called Operation Grange in 2011. They hit several dead ends in the investigation to find Madeline. However, they eventually found evidence that revealed that a German prisoner is the most recent and significant suspect in Madeline's disappearance. He is Christian Bueckner, a prolific burglar who has had prior convictions for sex crimes against young girls, much like Maddie. He is currently in German prison serving the sentence for drug offenses and also was convicted of raping a 72-year-old American woman in Portugal back in 2005. He is currently appealing the charge. At this moment, Christian has a total of 17 convictions including burglary. He is known for stealing from hotels and holiday apartments. Christian was born in Germany in 1976 and moved to Portugal in his late teens. Remember that blonde-haired guy I mentioned earlier? Well, Christian B matched that description to a T. Caucasian, blonde cropped hair, 6 feet tall with slim build, and he was 30 at the time of Madeline's disappearance. The German police apparently has had enough evidence that Maddie is dead at the hands of Christian B. They believe that he initially planned on robbing the apartment before he saw Madeline and moved on to a sexual motive instead. Also, remember that van that a witness said the blonde-haired man was standing against? Well, a camper van similar to the description from the witness was registered to Christian and the police believe it was used to kidnap Madeline. The suspect, now 43, was believed to have been leading a transient lifestyle at the time, traveling back and forth from Portugal and Germany. He is known to have been in the area near the incident, taking a 30 minute to an hour phone call an hour before she went missing. The suspect, Christian, has also been linked with the disappearances of several other children in the past 25 years. 
The police in Belgium has linked him to the murder of missing 16-year-old teen named Carola Titz, who alarmingly also disappeared while she was on holiday in Dehan. On the 5th of July 1996, her body was found extremely mutilated in the sand dunes just six days afterwards. He also has been associated with the missing person case of Inga Jenrik, also disappearing during her family trip in Saxony-Anhalt, more recently on the 2nd of May 2015. Christian B. is also a suspect in the missing six-year-old boy named Rene Hazy, who also eerily disappeared while on vacation with his family in Algeciras, Portugal, just roughly 40 kilometers from Praia de Luz. There's more. He has been linked with the disappearance of seven-year-old Jer Soares, who vanished in August 1995 the disappearance and murder of 9-year-old Peggy Noblock in 2001, and the sexual assault and murder of 13-year-old boy named Tristan Burback. Now, how did the police find Christian B? The suspect apparently was already known to the British and Portuguese police in relation to Madeline's disappearance. However, it wasn't until the Metropolitan Police appealed to the public on the 10th anniversary of the incident when a witness stepped forward with more information about Christian, apparently Christian himself telling a friend at a bar that he knew what happened to Maddie. Also, after searching a deserted factory owned by Christian, the authorities discovered around thousands of disturbing videos and pictures on hard drives and USB drives, as well as actual pieces of evidence such as swimsuits of little girls in his camper van. According to Mark Hoffman, a Berlin-based crime and intelligence analyst who works with the German police, says, and I quote, He was into child pornography, torture, and he did crimes against children at a very young age. And according to the current information, he also filmed his offenses. Prosecutor Walters also said, and I quote, Yes, we don't have the body and no parts of the body, but we have enough evidence to say our suspect killed Madeline McCann. Walters continues saying that they knew of her death about two years now as they collected evidence. There will probably be more developments to this case, but as of now, the police are searching an allotment in Hanover. Officers have been using a digger and sniffer dog at the property since work on the site began on July 27, 2020, and is said to be around 40 miles from the city of Braunschweig where Christian was last registered as living. According to a crime correspondent, the search was a dramatic development, with the prosecutor's office and federal police confirming to local media that this is connected to Maddie. As more information becomes available, we will do another video to conclude Madeline's story. We all know that she deserves her full story to be told. Hopefully, they bring her home.